Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? How we doing? It is good to be back. I said we were going to try to do two episodes this week, and God damn it, we've done it. It is Friday evening, and we are recording episode 110. 110, episode 110 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl. It's good to be here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are going to be looking at some of the stuff that's been going on over the last week. We covered some of uh, some of the news, some of the current events, some of the happenings uh, in the show that we did earlier in the week, but there's so much to talk about. There's so much to get through, and I figured, well, we've been off track a little bit with our with our scheduling, and I figured, why not? Let's uh, let's throw another one down on Friday evening. I'm not going anywhere uh, particularly interesting, so I've got some time, and uh, yeah, figured, why the hell not? Um, The week's been mental for me personally and also uh, with all the news and and everything else that's going on, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, But first, I wanted to just recognize uh, Mental Health Awareness Day, which was yesterday, and just talk a little bit about mental health because this is not any sort of PSA and this is no sort of sob story. This is just really about how we address it. And I think there's many contributing factors outside of physiological reasons why mental health is on the rise and so prevalent. You know, everybody knows somebody with mental health, uh, mental health issues, you know, troubles with their mental health, whether it be, you know, severe anxiety or depression or you know, anything, anything. There's so many ways that it can manifest. But what's important is is recognizing how we look at it, how we treat it, and how we can remove some of the things from our lives that make it make it so easy to get wrapped up in non-issues that can affect your mental health. And specifically what I'm talking about is things like social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you spend any sort of prolonged amount of time, which nowadays most of us do, on these platforms, it is going to impact your mental health, whether you're directly aware of it or not. And this comes in the form of obsessive compulsive behavior, Checking your phone 130 times, 150 times, 200 times or more a day. Feelings of jealousy, feelings of of inadequacy when we see these personas depicted on social media as reality when they are simply not. The constant need for affirmation to keep up with the Joneses in a sense. And by Joneses, I'm referring to those celebrities or those quote-unquote influencers. I don't know who these people are influencing other than little children to embark on negative behavior. Um, But social media can be 
a really pervasive factor in one's mental health. And if someone doesn't have a grip over how to navigate social media, it can become a really big problem. Addiction can set in, you know, cyber addiction is going to be one of the worst sorts of addictions, if not already. And I don't mean that just physically, like a heroin addiction or something like that. I mean mentally. We're talking about mental health awareness. So, you know, if you spend any significant amount of time on Twitter, you'll understand that it is just a stream of negative consciousness. It does not matter what side. There is very, very little in the mainstream uh, that is positive on that platform. Trust me, I look. It's a sounding board of just negativity and a lack of interest to even hear out any sort of opposing views. And if you're just constantly getting fed negativity, negativity, negativity all the time, then how are you going to react? How are you going to put yourself in the world? You're not going to you're not going to be in a good state of mind. So social media is is definitely one of the problems here. And if we're talking about some of the more I mean, this could go down a long road, right? We could talk about bullying. We could talk about cyberbullying. We could talk about um, substance abuse. We can talk about abuse in the home, whether you're a child or you're an adult in an abusive relationship. There are so many things outside of chemical imbalances within the body that can affect mental health. Our environment and our daily interactions can be a massive, massive factor in any sort of mental health problems that people might be dealing with. Um, and I think I mentioned that just because sometimes it's good to take a step back and breathe for a minute and understand that you have your own problems. 100%. Everybody does. However, so do other people. And being mindful of that for the sake of harmony, some sort of harmony, or helping someone along the way a little bit, it can, it can be nice to be self-aware enough to not react off your base level instincts on every situation. Real example, someone bumps into you on the subway. A lot of people's first reaction is to freak out, push back, retaliate. That doesn't do anything good for the situation or for your mental health. It's good to just take a step back, be the bigger person in that situation, and understand that maybe the person that you know bumped you in the first place did it by accident. If someone walks by you, bumps you, and doesn't apologize, maybe they've got something going on in their head. Maybe let it slide. I'm not saying be a pacifist. I'm not saying that at all. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm anything but a pacifist. I'm just ta I'm just saying that it is worth taking a step back, not being in such a rush all the time, and understanding that everybody's got their own problems. And a little bit of patience, and a little bit of 
a little bit of letting it slide isn't such a bad thing sometimes. But if you know anybody that's suffering from any sort of mental health issue, whether that's caused by one of the factors that we mentioned, or if it's just somebody who's having a hard time, just be patient. Give them, give them some time. Give them some time. It's easy to be nice. It's easy to be helpful. It's really easy to be compassionate. And oftentimes, you're not going to know who's suffering. Someone at my work committed suicide, uh, I think about six months ago, and nobody had a clue. Nobody had a clue. It really affected people at, at, uh, at my work, and, uh, and nobody had a clue. Uh, so you just don't know. You just don't know. It's, it's hit even closer uh, to me personally, um, even more recently. And everybody's stressed. I get it. Everybody, you know, everybody's stressed. Everybody's got problems, but you don't know how those problems are truly affecting someone. And as I said, sometimes patience is a beautiful thing because you might just take a step back, breathe, notice something in somebody, and then decide to ask a question. Like, are you okay? Are you sure everything is okay? Is there anything you might need to talk about or get off your chest? If you can be selfless enough to give someone else your time, it's just about the most valuable thing you can do. And in today's world, it is the thing that we're most protective of because we feel like we have so little of it. But to share a few moments for someone else just because is priceless, I think. So if you know anybody that is dealing with mental health uh, and struggling with any of, of the issues, just go up and ask them if they want to talk. Just ask them if everything's all right. And let them know that even if they're not ready now, even if they've got nothing specific that they want to get off their chest, even though they probably do, just let them know that when they're ready to have a chat, you'll be there. And that that's enough. That's enough. But let's just all be mindful that although we walk around in our own bubbles, especially when you live in a city, especially when you live in a city like London, we walk around in our own bubbles, our headphones on, we don't give a shit. And to be able to take a few, just a few steps back, take a few breaths, and understand that maybe it's not such a bad thing to interact. So if you know anybody that's struggling, lend them a hand, lend them a kind word, and lend them the information, the knowledge that they can come to you. Unless you're not that type of person. In which case, we're probably not going to be friends. <laughs> um, so, I just wanted to recognize Mental Health Awareness Day because it's an important day. And everybody's struggling with something. So, help each other out. Did you hear about the guy who got an $8 billion lawsuit 
victory from Johnson & Johnson. I just read about this yesterday. This guy who was, um, I think he was manic depressive, or no, sorry, he was schizophrenic, I think he was schizophrenic and bipolar. I think, I think bipolar gets wrapped up in schizophrenic. I don't know why they, they differentiate between the two. I know they're two different things, but still. Um, so this guy got medicine that was manufactured by Johnson & Johnson. One of the side effects was he got titties. Talk about mental health. You've already got significant issues. Then you take medicine that's supposed to make you feel better and it gives you tits. That's, that's rough going. Now, however... Haven't Johnson & Johnson's baby powder been proven to have given some women cancer who used it for a prolonged period of time? I don't think they won $8 billion, or I think I would remember. It's just kind of fascinating that that amount of money was awarded in this lawsuit for this reason. Because I'm telling you right now, I would volunteer to have tits put on my chest if you were going to give me $8 billion. It doesn't seem like a bad side effect. Now, of course, the man was not in good mental health. Um, but it still seems, comparatively speaking, to some of the lawsuits that have come before it for things like products producing cancer, tainted water supplies. You remember Aaron Brockovich, right? That whole thing. Those motherfuckers didn't get $8 billion. This guy got some titties and got $8 billion. Like, what kind of tits did he get? Like, did he get double Ds falling off his chest for no reason because he was taking this antipsychotic or this um, schizophrenia medication, this bipolar medication? Did, like, a set of Dolly Parton's tits just appear on his chest? Like, how significant were the tits? I think it's a valid question considering that this guy has been awarded $8 billion, with a B, dollars. That seems like a significant amount of money for a set of breasts. Right? Because I think the medication did work. I think he just was one of the side effects was the tits. So it bears asking the question, how significant were the breasts? Because that would go to the degree of embarrassment or body dysmorphia that the man might feel. That might that might do away with all the good side effects that the medication was supposed to be helping with. But still, $8 billion seems like a lot of money, guys. It seems like a tremendous amount of money for what happened. Considering that other people before him have had much more serious consequences. Just my thoughts on it. I didn't know if you guys had heard about it. But it just sounds a bit, it sounds a bit steep. Like, I can't believe I'm actually saying that, like, I think the corporation got fucked on this one. But... There you go. Um, I wanted to talk just very briefly about a couple of things that are happening in the UK. One is the Extinction Rebellion protests that are planned and supposed to be happening over the next couple of weeks. Now, I'm, I've spoken on this show before about Greta Thunberg, the climate activist who many thought was going to win the Nobel Prize, but it was announced earlier that the uh, president of Ethiopia, 
I believe it was, or it was it Ethiopia or Somalia, um, got it for the peace work and the bringing together um, of, I, th I think it was Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Eritrea who were at war. So anyways, the president of that country won the Nobel Peace Prize and not Greta Thunberg. But I've spoken about Greta on the show before. I've spoken about uh, global warming, you know, now uh, affectionately known as climate change. You notice how you don't hear global warming anymore? Nobody ever says it. I don't know why that is. I think that was probably done purposely. Climate change. Global warming. Global warming sounds worse to me. Right? Climate change sounds softer. But that's the term that we've adopted. Anyways, I've talked about I've talked about climate change on the show previously. And I'm in favor of acting dramatically to resolve some of the climate issues we have. I've talked about big companies and how they make it look like they're doing something for the environment. Like, for instance, I've spoken about Costa Coffee before. They've adopted paper straws, right? Recyclable straws. But they serve that in a plastic cup with a plastic lid. All of the coffee they sell still have plastic lids on them. So what impact are they actually having, right? It's okay to quote a number and say, oh, we, you know, we haven't distributed 14 million plastic straws. However, they have distributed 14 million plastic cups. They have X amount of million, however fucking many million coffees that cost to sell every year and Starbucks they still have plastic lids. So it appears that they do care about climate, change, global warming, poisoning the environment, you know. But do they? The appearance is more important than the entire solution, right? Because the entire solution disrupts your supply chain and your business model. It changes your cost. It changes everything. It's, a, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. But... Back to the Extinction Rebellion. So I am for protesting against harsh change, legislative change on global warming, on climate change, on, on addressing it properly. So in theory, I like the Extinction Rebellion. However, and there's a big however, the protests, if you can even call them that, are a joke. They're becoming a joke. The leadership, the spearhead of the Extinction Rebellion organization is a joke. One of the Extinction Rebellion top people was on Andrew Neal's show. Anybody that doesn't know Andrew Neal, check him out. He holds people to account in a way that is few and far between in today's media landscape. He eviscerated one of Extinction Rebellion's top people by using their own claims against them, their own language against them, their own, their own top senior figures against her in this particular interview. And she came off, as did the organization, as did the protests, 
as a joke. You cannot have unprepared people or people who are loose with language trying to impact this sort of change. You can tell that this is not the one that's going to fix it. You can tell this isn't the one that's going to force the change because the protesters aren't even sustained in their efforts of protesting. I saw a video of these fucking idiots dancing around like this was Coachella. Dancing around like this was a music festival. And then some asshole on the mic, you know, dance for climate change, dance your support for climate change, dance your feelings about the, the environment into the world. Are you, excuse me? Excuse me? Dance your feelings? No. Make fucking placards, make slogans, get in front of the Houses of Parliament, get in front of where politicians eat their lunches, get in front of the places you need to be. Don't be dancing around like it's fucking Woodstock to some stupid EDM music or whatever the hell was playing in that video. Because people like me who are all for the cause and do everything that they can in their day-to-day -day life to be as impactless as possible to reduce their carbon footprint more and more. When I see the activism acting like juveniles, acting like mindless, dumb hippies, that turns me off. And I say, well, nothing's going to get done now. Like, so fuck it. Why should I be doing my part? The spearhead of this movement can't even be bothered to organize in a way that they're taken seriously. So I just think it's a bit of a joke. I think it's a joke that, that one of their top people cannot even hold a sensible debate because their founder is using ridiculous language about the effects of climate change, how impactful it's going to be in the world, how many people are going to die. This woman can't even have, run a normal conversation, run a normal sentence, or formulate any sort of thoughts about the about these issues. She couldn't, like she was trying to say about like mass migration and things like that, but she's arguing against the number of billions of people are going to die in the next 20 years. Like, why would you use that kind of stupid language? I don't understand why you would use that kind of stupid language. It doesn't need to be over-embellished. It doesn't need to be blown out of proportion. It's a serious, serious problem. Global warming is a fucking problem. We don't need you to tell us that eight, like fucking four billion people are going to die in the next 30 years if we don't fix it now. Because that doesn't help. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't further your cause. That makes you look stupid when you're called out on your facts. So I just, they need to really get their shit together because they're out there dressed up in fucking face paint now and characters. Like they're, they're really, really stretching it for me. But again, I'm for this. I'm for climate activism, environmental activism. I'm for that. If it's done in the right way. And I just think Extinction Rebellion are losing theirs. The other, the other domestic thing that I wanted to talk about was this. The, so I've talked about this previously. But I'm going to touch on it again because it's come up. 
they're they're talking about scrapping a policy that they currently have in place in this country that allows people over the age of 75 to get a free TV license so they don't have to pay out of what little income they have coming in from their pensions for their television. They're talking about scrapping this. We're talking about people who have paid their taxes for, you know, 50-odd years. Yet they're talking that the BBC can't support this. And I heard this morning there was like commentary, call-ins, tweets about this to one of the to one of the news shows. And some of the commentary, Jesus. You can't afford it, you don't deserve it, you don't get nothing. <laughs> nothing for free, right? Just crazy. Talking about our pensioners this way. God forbid you're in a time of need when you're elderly and alone. I mean, some of the stuff that was coming out of people's mouths was ridiculous. Now, what's even more ridiculous than that is the fact that we're even talking about the fact you have to have a license to watch television. So I think it's like 15 pounds a month, right? So it's not cheap considering it is completely useless. It's completely arbitrary and it is a legalized form of stealing, okay? You don't charge people to watch television unless it's a subscription, right? If I don't want to pay the 10 quid a month for Netflix, then I don't get to watch it. Same with Amazon Prime. Same with anything, Hulu, any of the services, right? But it's not a subscription. It's not a choice. It's mandatory. Every person in this country has to pay for a TV license. A license to pay to watch TV that gets paid to the BBC. This is horseshit. Fundamentally stealing from people. Legalized theft. Now, we have talked about this before, so it goes wider than just the 75 and over. I don't think there should be a TV license full stop. If the BBC cannot support itself and sustain itself through a subscription model or an advertising model like everybody else, they should go out of business. It is just that simple to me. I don't care what their programming is. You don't think those people would get absorbed by other networks or other providers? You don't think those shows would get made somewhere else? It's not the institution. It's the people within it that create the goodness that's put out by it. It's just a facility. And if that facility is so good and such an institution, then put it on a subscription. Put it behind a paywall. And if it's on normal TV, then get the advertising. But the fact that you have to tell us, make us, penalize us if we don't pay for a TV license is ridiculous. 
It is horseshit, and I am fundamentally against it. And if I ever ran for office and won, it would be one of the first things I did. I would be getting rid of the TV license for everybody. Because again, if these companies, BBC specifically, cannot support itself, it doesn't deserve to be in business. It shouldn't be maintained by the public. They're not a, an unbiased, like, benevolent organization. They've been shrouded in controversy for years. Recently with the sex scandals and the mistreatment of women, the pay gap that they want to talk about. Like, the BBC is a cesspool. Just because they put out some good programs and people in this country are indoctrinated to them as an organization. People from the outside, and even some people that have been, they get it. They see it for what it is. But somebody coming from the outside, like I grew up in Canada. A fucking TV license. You out of your mind? So I would scrap it. I think it should be gone. But I think the audacity of these motherfuckers to try to charge people who have been getting it for free is disgusting. And I think the whole thing, like I said, is theft. But this is particularly nasty. This is really dirty shit. So that's my point of view on it. But I think I think the BBC is just a fucking shithole company. And I had to say so. But this TV license thing is garbage. The fact, I asked my wife, I was like, how much do we pay for the TV license? Because she handles the bills and I handle the mortgage and the car and shit, right? So I was like, just, I'm like, how much is it? And she told me, it's like 15 quid a month. I'm like, what? That's absolutely insane. Considering, especially in our household, we do not consume the BBC content at all. So, if you can prove that, you definitely should be exempt from paying your TV license. Because it's like, well, what if I stop paying my TV license? Well, you can't even watch Netflix. You're not even allowed to stream content from a laptop without a TV license. That's what they say. So, this is robbery to me. And I think it's dog shit. So, there. Now I've said it again. But they shouldn't be taking advantage of people. Shouldn't be taking advantage of old people like that. They've barely got any money anyways. And people are trying to make arguments. Well, if they've got their pension for this and they own a house for this, that's worth so much so they could pay. It's like, what are you talking about? Anyways, anyways, I don't want to dwell on it. Talked about it for too long. What I do want to talk about next goes a little further afield. And if you haven't heard about it, it's it's quite it's quite interesting to watch. Um, what I'm talking about is the NBA and its current drama with China. So basically what's happened is like last week, there's a team called the Houston Rockets. If you're not familiar with the NBA and one of their VPs sent out a tweet in support of the Hong Kong protesters. This caused the Chinese government to threaten them, uh, threaten the NBA that they weren't going to televise their games, that they would break all ties, sponsorship deals, endorsements, etc., affiliated with the Houston Rockets. And if they kept it up or anything else happened, then you know they would take it further. 
Now, since this ridiculous uh, situation has happened, nobody is willing to take a hard stance on this. And I have a problem with that because this is purely a commercial decision. Obviously, China is a huge market for the NBA. They're huge basketball fans in China. And I would argue that the NBA has a position of power here to hold China to a better standard if they want to, if they want to do business with the organization. Now, of course, there's billions at stake for the NBA because they want to expand and continue growing internationally. But they've always represented the ability to speak out on social issues without fear of some reprisal. They do it domestically, but it's clear to me that they've been they've been muzzled. They've been muzzled on this by the top people at the NBA who are worried about losing China as a potential market, a growth market. They've been muzzled. Like you hear Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr, who's the head of uh, coach of the Golden State Warriors, acting like an absolute imbecile when questioned about this. For someone who's so vocal, he can't answer a simple question. And his remarks, his response is, well, I have to learn more about it. I have to, I have to, I have to read up on it. I have to understand what I'm talking about thoroughly before I comment on it. I don't know what more you need to know about a tweet that was sent about a protest, a pro-democracy protest, that was then met by a threat by the Chinese government about stopping that behavior. So that is essentially, quit it with your freedom of speech or we're going to remove money from your pockets. And they have decided collectively to keep their mouth shut. When protesters are being killed, being beaten, they cannot talk about it. James Harden and Russell Westbrook were at a press conference and they were asked a question about this from a CNN reporter. And they were, they were silent. James Harden and Russell Westbrook were completely silent. Not only that, but an NBA representative stepped in and said, that is not a valid question. Shut it down. Basically, shut it down. So they're muzzling this from the top as a policy issue because they're scared that China will block them from that market. And I say, use it, flip it, and tell China, you're not going to be dictated to. And if that means that the NBA doesn't come to China anymore, then the NBA doesn't come to China anymore. You can have every other market. The Chinese people will fight back against this, like they're currently fighting back in Hong Kong. But to just bend because a foreign government is saying, conduct yourselves differently when it comes to human rights conversations and social issues, to bend to that is is one of the most disgraceful acts I've seen come out of this organization ever. And I love this organization. I've been involved in this organization 
like from a fan point of view, right? I've supported the NBA for decades. But I don't get behind this and, and it's so transparent and it's so gross that they need to take a hard look at themselves because this is going to turn people off. Anyways, staying with America, but pivoting away from China, the news that two of Rudy Giuliani, now if anybody doesn't know who Rudy Giuliani is, he is the ex-mayor of New York City. He is currently the personal attorney for Donald Trump. And he is at the center of this impeachment inquiry because of his involvement with Russian diplomats trying to dig up dirt on an investigation that, that, was, that wasn't existing. We've talked about the Biden thing before. We've talked about the Ukraine situation before. But two of his... So this is, the, this is a story. Two of his associates, two of Rudy Giuliani's associates are Russian or Ukrainian or something. They've just been arrested on campaign finance violations. They've been arrested. They got arrested at Dulles Airport. They got arrested at Dulles Airport trying to fly to Vienna with one-way tickets. I'll let you make your own inferences about that. But what's really, really interesting is that Rudy Giuliani had a trip to Vienna planned the very next day. And he claims not to know anything about it in terms of his associates who were arrested. He didn't know they were going to Vienna with one-way tickets. But he had one booked for the very next day. So two of his longtime business associates, he was going to fly into the same city 24 hours apart. And they weren't going to meet up and they weren't going to discuss anything. That seems far-fetched to me. That seems hard to believe. And now all of a sudden Giuliani's not commenting on this anymore. He's been effectively silenced on this. And I just think we're slipping deeper and deeper and deeper into a dark, a dark hole of, of corruption and bait and switch type of conversations. I mean, when you hear these guys talk on Fox News, on Hannity or any of these shows, the Laura Ingram show, like all of these terrible, terrible shows, you should see them posturing and peacocking, you know, waving their feathers and just saying, I'm untouchable. I'm not scared of this guy. Like Rudy, Rudy Giuliani was on there talking shit about Adam Skiff, like, ooh, like literally like mocking him like this calling people idiots in interviews and 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 all this is a this is a lawyer for the president of the United States conducting himself this way but these other elements these trips overseas to Ukraine these trips that were planned to Vienna these you know these associates that are being arrested you know and the connections and the tie-ins you know if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it's probably a duck and I think, you know, another stupid cliche saying, you know, there's no smoke without fire. I just think there's so much smoke, like there's a fire raging and just nobody's, nobody's actually looking at it. You've still got Republicans that are willing to go on the side of Donald Trump and support him. 
with this Ukraine uh, connection, this Ukraine phone call, these transcripts that were released. And I just think <clears throat> this is now a level of complicity that we've never seen before. Blind complicity. This is, this is insane. They are hanging on to the party for dear life. But it's all just kind of falling to bits. The integrity of the political institutions are falling to bits. Our trust in the media is falling to bits. Our ability to communicate with one another is falling to bits. And going back to the whole thing that we started with, this is all bad for people's mental health because if the economy is un in uncertain, if foreign relations are on tricky ground, I mean, look at what he's done. Look at what Trump has done with the Kurds in northern Syria. By pulling out American forces from that region and allowing Turkey to basically go into Syria and start a war, he has almost certainly sealed the fate of the Kurds. Because the Turks and the Kurds are enemies. And the buffer zone between them has been the United States, their military, their economic influence in the region. And the fact that the Kurds have been allies with the U.S., and done most of the heavy lifting when it comes to getting rid of ISIS in that region, they've now just been abandoned. So that this government who hate them can just go in there and bombard them. You've already got refugees in the tens of thousands fleeing the area. You're already getting civilians killed. We're two days in. We're two days in. And this is already happening. So this, all this chaos... Like, is this just a distraction piece? Is this a, is this a distraction piece to take the conversation away from what's going on in Ukraine? Is this another example of a manufactured crisis that then he will look to remedy and take credit for solving rather than being blamed for producing? These are all questions I have on this situation, but I just think it's chaos. And we're losing the ability to have any sort of meaningful dialogue or discourse when trying to resolve or get to the bottom of any issues. And again, this is just about accountability. Where are the checks and balances in place for people to be held accountable at the level that they should be held accountable? It just doesn't exist. And it doesn't exist everywhere. I experience this in, the, in professional life. I experience this in personal day-to-day -day life. You see it in the media. You see it with corporations. You see it with governments. This is... This is like a species-wide problem. This lack of accountability, but not for everybody. Some people are held accountable. Maybe those less deserving of being held accountable. But the people who really should be, it just doesn't seem to come. News reports saying we're a little bit more optimistic about the potential of a Brexit deal. Like that's necessarily a good thing. And it could just switch tomorrow anyway. So you've got three weeks. Right? You've got 20 days to get this Brexit thing sorted. And we're supposed to now be optimistic three and a half, almost four years on? Get out of here. And all of this stuff I'm saying, guys, can have a real impact on your mental health. So sometimes, I know you listen to me say it, and I vent on it, but don't consume yourself with it because you can tune in for episodes like this and get your fill and then disappear away from it. But to wrap yourself up in it 24-7 is to create 
a world of chaos that is not healthy. And we just need to take a step back, let, let some of these things implode, let some of these things happen, and just know that the most important thing is that we keep a really close, tight-knit circle of, of loved ones near us at all times that we can count on and rely on. As long as you have that, as long as you have a strong foundation, you will never crumble. So surround yourself, your inner circle. Make that as strong as possible. The rest of this shit doesn't matter. The rest of this shit will come and it will go. It will cycle in and it will cycle out. But if you maintain a strong base, a strong foundation, you can overcome most anything. And things like mental health and depression and, you know, bullying or whatever, they're much more easily handled. They're much more manageable if we have the right people around us. So I'm going to leave it there for today. And we've talked about a lot of stuff. But I'm going to finish how we started and just say that all the chaos that we talk about on the show and all of the nasty things that are happening in the world, I don't talk about these things to be negative. I talk about them to shine a light so you can hear them, get some perspective on them, and then go away from them and live your life and understand that actually real life is way better than the things that we're shown. It's way better than the way the media portrays us. It's way better than the alt-left and the alt-right screaming minority about how things are falling to bits. Some things are. Some things are. But if I'm honest, they've always been broken. You just start to pay attention a little bit more when you get older. But not everything's as bad as it seems. And if you keep that close, tight circle, it's going to do wonders for your mental health. If you've got somebody to love and somebody loves you back and there's somebody out there for everybody, everybody's got somebody they can reach out to. And if if you don't, for some reason, then, then hit me up. Hit me up. Let me know what's going on. And I'll talk to you. And I mean that. There's too many people on this planet for anybody to be lonely. So take care of yourselves. If you've got the time and the resource, take care of somebody else. And always make time for people, man. And, and, and just ask. Ask. Find out. Find out a little bit about something other than yourself. Take care of somebody, man. But most importantly, do take care of yourself. Because if you're not right, you can't help other people. <coughs> so... That's it. That's it. That's how we're going to wrap episode 110. 110 episodes, guys. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for continuing with, continuing to support the show. And uh, come on back. I hope next week we're going to get back to our Wednesday night schedule. And then we should be ticking over from there. So uh, I'll, keep you, I'll keep you up to date on some of the other developments that we're working on. Guests, equipment, all of that good stuff. But we're going to be trying our hardest to get back on schedule. So tune in next week. We should be around on Wednesday night. So get you an episode on Thursday. But there's two this week once this one goes up. And I hope you guys listen and I hope you guys enjoy it. You can you can download it on SoundCloud or iTunes or uh, Spotify. And it's also on Stitcher. And it's also on Podchaser as well. So you can get it basically anywhere. Um, and then you can hit us up on, on Twitter if you want. Uh, and we're just at Quiet Part Loud with that one 
And uh, yeah, that's it. So <coughs> my name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you come back and join us again. Um, have a great weekend. Until next time, guys. All the best. <laughs>